0: Hey, hey, welcome to The Rev Up, a podcast where we talk about all things revenue growth. Uh, I'm your host, Ben Shipley, Chief Growth Officer here at Trust the Process. Uh, the Rev Up is in fact brought to you by Trust the Process, uh, the place to go when you need help to find offshore team members for anything from uh, sales and marketing through to general admin, operations, tech help, um, offshore team members through Trust the Process. Uh, Also if you need help in implementing and integrating uh, technology, things like CRM systems, in particular HubSpot and ActiveCampaign, you can reach out to us at ttprocess.co, plenty of places on the website there to opt in and book in to have a conversation. Uh, today on the show, I'm very excited. I've actually got one of um, one of our internal team members on the show, uh, Anna Espiner. Anna is essentially our marketing manager here at Trust the Process, but uh, is also an entrepreneur herself. Um, Anna's spent uh, years, 10 plus years, uh, working for brands and companies around uh, Europe, Australia, South America. Uh, she's also the founder of her own marketing agency, Um but obviously also happens to be the marketing manager at Trust the Process. Um, you know, in, in her experience, she's helped um, small businesses really focus on being um, mindful through how they uh, sell and market. Um, she has created digital transformation strategies for companies, you know, with a really sort of sustainable and ethical uh, value to them and approach. Um or what she talks about regularly being marketing for good. Um, She's also very much a mental health and women's empowerment advocate. Uh, You can see this in the content she produces for herself and her own businesses, uh, particularly on LinkedIn. Uh, But really importantly for this conversation, um, Anna is essentially the person that I've been partnering with for the last seven or eight months in order to sort of transform the way we do marketing at Trust the Process. Um, has been instrumental in how we have built our own content marketing strategy, the results that we're getting from that content marketing strategy, and also instrumental in how we have now essentially created um, a a content-as-a-service product uh, where we can essentially replicate the things that we do for ourselves, things like this podcast, videos, social posts, email, etc., and replicate those for clients through a content as a service product. Uh, So very excited to have Anna on the show today, Uh, over to us, I suppose, in the studio. Welcome to the Rev Up, the one and only Anna. How are you doing, Anna?
1: Hey, Ben. I'm really good. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here today.
0: (laughs) That's good to hear. Uh, we obviously, uh, work together. I've done a little bit of a bio in the, in the, uh, intro to the show. Um, and we have been working together for what? Like the last maybe nine months, eight months, something like nine months now. Um, we, uh, we kind of came together. We both got sort of thrown into the fire of trying to reorganize and strategize for marketing. You moved over, you were already at, Trust the process when um, when I joined, but moved into the marketing team uh, just as I came into the business, and we kind of had to figure it out as we went along. And what was your uh, what are your sort of memories and the experience of that time kind of coming together early on? Um.
1: I heard someone was coming to the marketing team, uh, the head of growth, chief officer, and I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just thought that it was, we started from a place that things were good, but there was a lot of things that we could do better. And I was very excited for, for you coming into the trust process. And I thought it's a good moment for me to switch because I think um, we can do uh, some interesting strategy for this company. And I'm sure that uh, the results are going to appear quite soon. And it was it was fun. Like it was maybe a bit stressful at the beginning because obviously you never know. It's a new team. You don't know how it's going to work at the beginning. There's ways of working that uh, are different. So that can really make your, your life very different. I was literally posting on LinkedIn a couple of weeks ago about how a manager can change your life into the positive side or into the bad side of of life let's say so I thought it was a good <laughs> um yeah. a good match let's say professional match and I think we we're doing I don't know great together and looks yeah. like we're doing like really cool stuff yeah. for our process and I'm really happy really happy for the change
0: yeah me too and you and I talk quite a bit about um about like the the culture of ttp i think it was interesting when we kind of came together in this world of marketing for trust the process um we seemed to have similar ideas about like what a good working culture was Mm -hmm. what was it that sort of uh drew you into you know wanting to go on this journey with trust the process
1: i was um in a moment of like I, I quit my, let's say, office job in a big corporate company uh, a couple of years ago. And I was freelancing for two years before entering a Trust the process. And um, I just felt like the company had uh, exactly the values that I was looking for, because I'm also building my own business on the side. And mm-hmm. the fact that they are so flexible, culture is like, it's amazing. Like everyone is respected. I've never felt like so much respect from my bosses, like in the past, it's been an amazing journey. I love how the team, we all respect each other and we treat each other at, on the same level. It doesn't matter if you're this co-founder, the, I don't know, uh, uh, one of the outsourcing teams, like everyone has a voice and that's something that I really, really like from the Process. And and i I can say that my voice is being listened, so um I'm happy about that and I think that it's something that I'm also like integrating in my other projects, but I think that also you can see that the clients kind of get that type of values they 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 get they get these values and they incorporate them in their companies and that's very 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 nice um to see uh in a company
0: yeah did you um did you have any thoughts about like I know Matt and Peter, both former military officers, both out of the army. Um, it wasn't a thing that really they talked about a lot when you and I joined, but I know we both kind of knew that we were going into a business that was run by a couple of former former military officers. Did you have any, any feelings or thoughts about that on the way in?
1: Yeah, definitely. So uh, as you know me, I'm all peace and love. I'm a very peaceful person. I love (laughs) to meditate, do yoga, all that stuff. So at the beginning, I was a bit scared, like, let's see what is this and how this resonates with me. But it was incredible how much easier things when when you implement like the military mindset on a business. Um, I think that the beginning can be something that it's, you know, unknown, scary. Um, You might feel unsure about what's the outcome of implementing this style, Of management in a company but definitely I think it made such a difference for me and at the end of the day what I'm seeing is that I'm also implementing this mindset further than trust the process let's say and it's really good because what I feel is like in the past maybe in other you know companies that I work for um, it was very like 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 layers of like you know this is your role, this is what you have to do, and you cannot move from that. And that was very frustrating for me because I'm a very creative, I consider myself Mm. a creative person, you know? So that was very frustrating because there was no way of like learning from other things. Um, While now on the opposite, right? Uh, We can do a little bit of everything. So for me, these values in the company uh, make such a difference because um, in the past, uh, for me, it was working for, especially in big corporates, you have a very clear role and you cannot move from that role, right? Uh, But there's no much of options of uh, expand your creativity or like, Mm. you know, um, be proactive and like give your feedback or be a bit more of like out of what you are meant to do. And here it's quite of the opposite. Like you have your role very clear, but you can be creative. You can be, you know, like um, potentially like, suggest things that are listened and also like at the end of the day i think it it's very good for the team because everyone has the the, the clear very clear what we what we have to do right on our let's say roles but at the same time like we help each other it's like a community like i don't i cannot get to do this uh someone else is going to help me and and that really like at the end of the day it's it's really nice to work in a company like Mm. this because it feels very very like like a family almost
0: yeah. Yeah. And like, um, you know, there's, there's, I think there's like, there's a lot of freedom in some of those military sort of principles, particularly around delegation. Like nobody's got the time to be on top of absolutely everything. When you're in a military environment, you have a clear role, you have a clear set of objectives and you, you need to go and get your job done. And I think that that's, um, there's actually a lot of freedom in that when that's utilized properly in a business. You know, this is what we need from you. Time to go and get it done. You can figure out a little bit of like how to get there and um, all that sort of stuff. But I, 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 um, I suppose I've, I've found that stuff particularly helpful. Me particularly too. Interesting. One of the main reasons why I wanted to have you on the show today is because obviously we've gone through a pretty seismic shift in how we go about marketing in Trust the Process we really now think of it in kind of two pieces. One being um, how we sort of build our audience, how we create demand. And the second part being how we capture that demand and how we drive pipeline. Um, I know you're somebody who in our team meetings and in our conversations in our you know workshops strategizing to figure out what we're gonna do, you're somebody who has talked quite a bit about um, you know, the importance of of some of these elements, particularly around content, particularly around community building and audience building that aren't necessarily just things that you can measure with like a lead and ROI outcome. Um, talk to me a little bit about your approach to demand creation, whether it be here at um, at Trust the process or generally, um, are there things you kind of believe are important when it comes to building content and building audience and those sorts of things?
1: Yeah, definitely. For me, when we started the trust the process it was very important to have like a like a base like you're building a house mm. um, it was that base was not very clear for me at the moment, and so it's important to know what is the audience you're addressing, right? because it really depends on the audience what 's a strategy that you're going to take, so you have to have a clear buyer persona or avatar um, it's mm-hmm. another way of saying it. that means um it's basically a semi fictional character that you put as um as one of your targets but it's it goes deeper than only the social demographics it this person have pains gains have more like it's more like a you, you can envision this person with a name and so that helps a lot to then when I'm talking to this, for example, Joe, I'm talking to Joe. I know what I have to say to Joe, or I'm talking to Sally. I know what I have to say to Sally. They are different target personas. That's very important to have clear when you start um, any, any content, because definitely the messages that you're going to address are going to be different. Um, Also important is the tone of voice that you have as a brand, right? And, and what these people likes, right? Like, um, we also did a, a bit of a rebranding of the of the website because um, we wanted to to maybe be more transparent, more uh, modern, more aligned with what the the buyer persona, these targets that we're mentioning, uh, were looking for. So that's that base must be like you must nail that before mm. starting the content. Obviously, this that, can that was one it, of the first loved.
0: things we did, right?
1: Yeah, that's. I think that's pretty much the first project we did together. And this can evolve like maybe sometimes you will see that some messaging work better than the, than others and that's like pretty much optimizing the campaigns and optimizing how you talk to the target. But definitely with that without that base, it's very difficult to do a, a winning strategy yeah. or a winning uh, marketing for a business.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. We, you know, it was something we aligned on very early that we needed to get really clear about about who our customer was, and and ultimately there are the two sides to it. You know, there's the demographic side. We believed that we needed to um, we needed to focus a little bit more on a slightly larger business size, and so we essentially built out an avatar for larger business. We were already very focused on the small end of the SME world. Um, and needed to have a little bit more focus on the medium end of the SME world Um, and so there's the demographics of like what size business are they, Mm -hmm. Uh, where are they, Uh, what industries are they in, how many employees do they have, how many, how much revenue are they generating, all of those things, what's the job titles of the people we want to talk to Um, but there's also the, the psychographics elements right, there's the emotional impacts elements and so we obviously did a lot of work around, um, you know, what are the towards and away from motivators for all of these people. Um, how how do you find having that? Because you you are ultimately the one who is, who brings all of what we do from a content perspective together, right? Um, how do you f- f- how useful do you find it, and how important do you find it to have that, you know, really clear understanding from the get go around, like what motivates our customers to take action whether it be things they're trying to get away from things they're scared of things problems they have or you know where they're trying to go the solutions and and those sorts of things
1: that's that's a really good question for me it's important to do that part because um, when you when we are in marketing we have to remember that we're trying to solve a problem not selling a product or a service so we need to focus on what's the problem of the customer to understand how are we going to sell that product or service. If I have a beautiful phone and I can, I can know like the qualities of the phone, right? Like what's the camera? Um, I don't know. What's the quality of the pixels and all of that stuff. Yeah. But if <clears> I cannot understand or I cannot create emotions behind that phone, it's just going to be like another phone, right? So that's why in the, mm-hmm. especially in the last years of in marketing, you can see like, ads being focused on emotions, the insights of the customer, rather than what's the product selling. Um, and and for me, we use that literally in in the most minimum um, message, like let's say a post on LinkedIn to the biggest campaign that could be, for example, a TV advertisement. Um, you cannot forget what's that the problem that you're trying to solve. Because if you're just focusing on what am I? That's my product. I'm amazing. The customer is going to be like, no, you're just one another one, right? And you're not differentiating yourself. But when you're understanding what's the problem of that customer and you're like, oh, I understand you. I'm here for you. I can solve you the, your problem. How doing this? Then it's when the customer clicks to you and you're like, oh, so these guys are actually caring about me and they are saying things differently to me. Um, I'm very active in LinkedIn like you are and like, you know, uh, many probably of the people listening today uh, are. And I literally receive tons and tons of messages of people selling me stuff. And it's not many that I answer because, you know, most of them are very generic. Like, oh, I'm another, I don't know, marketing, blah, blah, blah. I can sell you this. I can sell you that. Sometimes they don't even like realize that you're selling the same stuff. Than them, that's that's the most crazy part to me. Like sometimes people come to me selling stuff that we sell, so it's just like mm, check my profile twice because you're I'm not the right target, right? But not only that, but also make things a bit mm-hmm. different, right? Like make that message different and you know notorious and impactful, so that actually that person is going to connect with you. If you're just gonna say the same there as the rest, you're gonna disappear in the huge market of you know advertisement because there's right now there's so many people saying things that it really makes a difference on how you say it and that's why content marketing is so important right now because you can really have you can really go to the target that you have very very segmented on social media Um, but if you're saying things that are not interesting to them like you're literally wasting your money
0: yeah (laughs) <laughs> right I think this is this is an important conversation to have because um you know essentially what what you and I shifted um, trust the process of strategy to is a very content audience build based strategy right um, if you're going to build an audience and if you are going to um, if you are going to engage with that audience teach that audience in order to Um, essentially be able to uh, build your marketing strategy, you have to have the content to feed it, right? Mm -hmm. And a content marketing strategy is a very, very hungry animal. (laughs) So you have (laughs) to have a way to be able to constantly make more content. Um, You know, you and I set out with a pretty audacious goal of, well, actually um, initially we said, let's make one big thing a month, And then we almost immediately decided we were going to make something every week. (laughs) What's that been like? What have you found to be the important things in going through that process of going from, you know, almost no content marketing to a very content heavy content focused marketing strategy. What have Hmm. been the big learnings?
1: So for me, one very important lesson has been the reporting. Um, It's, very, very important to have uh, dashboards in place and understanding your data. That means that, you know, if you have a big content marketing strategy, you really need to understand your, where your customers are coming from, where's your traffic coming from, mm. and understand where you can, where do you have to put the money? You have to put the money in the right place, right? Um, sometimes uh, we just have, you know, Um, a big budget and we just want to do everything or sometimes we have a small budget and we just can't do one thing. So it's important to understand, okay, where are my customers coming from and then put that money where they are coming from. So (laughs) you can actually, you know, uh, you don't, you don't waste your money in in things that are not, not working. Um, And yeah. A lot of
0: people will, a lot of people will say, um, like content marketing is really hard to measure. And I know one of the things that we we had to change, and this is, um, you know, this is not necessarily a new approach. If anything, this is maybe an old approach, is we had to shift to um, a, a model called self-reported attribution in large part because if you're going to, you know, we run this podcast um, if you're going to generate leads from a podcast, you have to have a way to capture when people are coming to you from the podcast. Um, that project, I mean, I think we both we both talk fairly regularly about the fact that um, having much clearer data on where our leads heard of us and where they're actually coming from has made a big difference to us. Um, is is that kind of what you're you're talking about there' being able to measure, uh, what's happening? Even if it didn't like come through a perfect digital path, like a uh, they clicked on uh, Google AdWords or something like that.
1: Yes, that's that's correct. And sometimes platforms like HubSpot, as we use, uh, help a lot in understanding all this customer journey. Uh, you know, uh, understanding where these people comes from, where they clicked, um, understanding if the social media. Content that we're creating is actually bringing traffic. Is it quality traffic? Is it is this you know traffic actually converting? Not so all these details that you can understand from from a platform a CRM platform um, are really really important to understand uh, basically how your strategy is going to be. And we saw that there was a big potential in um, our social media slash content strategy and that's why we are putting efforts uh in this and and so far it's it's going well and it's bringing the results that we expected so that's great great news
0: yeah and that that um that ability to to track it is like it is kind of about splitting out those two pieces right like there is where did somebody hear about us and there's what's the path did they follow in order to get to us like um and I, I use this example all the time. If somebody goes to a business networking event and your business is presenting at that networking event and they go, oh, hey, uh, I'd like to go and talk to Anna. <laughs> and so uh, they go home and they Google trust the process and they find trust the process and they click on the uh, on the link and they go through to the website and they fill in the form uh, and you speak to them. If you just use digital, um, if you just use digital channels, digital tracking in order to figure out where that person came from, you will see that they came as an organic search lead, mm-hmm. and you might go and spend a whole bunch of money on SEO instead of a whole bunch of money on going to more events and speaking at more events, right? Yeah. And so, we very much had to split out between those two things. What's the path they took to get to us is really important from a demand capture perspective. How are they finding us and is it efficient and is it easy and is it effective? But also how did they hear about us in the first place? Why have they come to talk to us in the first place? And I think it's been really positive to see uh, even from, from quite early on that uh, we are already generating revenue from the podcast. Mm-hmm. That's it's right. Very exciting to see.
1: Very, very exciting. Uh, and
0: then, what? What else? What other? What other big lessons have there been?
1: Well, and second lesson would be, um, you really need to have a, a team in place because um, having a content strategy, it's not something that from one day to another, maybe it's going to bring. Uh, results, but it takes time and it takes a team to make that happen. That means that, you know, um, I'm the marketing manager now at the Process, but that I have a team of a copywriter, a graphic designer, a website um, developer, um, um, podcast producer, like we have a team of people that each of them are doing such an amazing work in their different areas of expertise, but if one of these pieces is missing the the result is not going to be the same um, so it's important to have you know a, a strong team behind the content strategy. Um, it really depends on whats your strategy it doesn 't need five people, um, maybe it can be three, it can be five, it can be seven. It really depends on your budget, obviously, and also on like what are your expectations from this. Um, but I think that now we have a very, very good team in place um and mm. and it's like it's been it's been also a journey because obviously uh, it's a new team, so that's a lot of learnings um in a short term., yep. but if the structure is well and you know the data is in place and you understand everything uh, that you have to do, then things are smooth.
0: Yeah, and we we obviously had to work through that building of the team piece Um, and, you know, you and I filling in the gaps while we didn't have the people. (laughs) So originally at at the very first when we first started doing this, it was essentially uh, me and you. And then it was me, you and a graphic designer Mm -hmm. and then – Me, you, a graphic designer and a video editor who is now also our podcast producer. And then we eventually added on copying and editing as well. And I think like the big lesson from all of that that I really hope for all of our listeners they can just jump to the end and avoid is two things. Actually, there's two big lessons. One is um, like there's so much specialization in marketing. If you want to do a really good job of something uh, and you don't, have the time to do it all on your own, Um, hiring professionals to do each of those individual pieces, each of those specialized individual skills is massively helpful. That's really hard for a lot of people because, I mean, not everybody is trust the process who happens to be an offshoring company Mm -hmm. who can hire people in the Philippines (laughs) directly for themselves uh, to do a lot of these roles. Um, but those areas of specialization, I think, have made a huge difference in the quality of the content that we're put, putting out. You know, Ken, our graphic designer, does an amazing job with our with our um, graphics and our images and our text overlays and all of the bits and pieces that he does. Um, Lini does an amazing job with editing the videos. Uh, we've got, you know, a whole team behind this that all do those individual pieces, and I think that's made a a massive difference to how that all comes together. Everybody being able to play their, their core role in that. Uh, I think the other big lesson out of all of that is that, um, is that it actually takes quite a big team to build a content engine. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's not, um, <laughs> I've you know, because we're an outsourcing business, I talk to businesses all the time that are trying to Offshore roles for for marketing, and looking for a unicorn. They're looking for one person that can do fifteen things in marketing.
1: Impossible.
0: Um, and then not getting particularly good results when they try and do it that way. And so we obviously always try and point people in the opposite direction of that. Try and specialise.
1: Definitely. Um, but that's been
0: a big lesson I think for us is that hmm. trying to do it with one person will yield a certainly a cheaper but a much more stressful and worse result trying to do it with the people that are required for each of the pieces uh means you get a good result you get it faster and you get it much more efficiently
1: 100 percent. i would like to add a couple of things here um one thing is that um the fact that you can find such a like specialized teams is very very good me i from my experience, I've been working in marketing for ten years, and I've been a freelancer for like five. And in that, in those five years, I learned from many areas of expertise: SEO, SEM, copywriting, even design, uh, creating websites. But no one's going to do it better than someone that is specific specialized on that specific role because they mm. they know. Way more than what I know, uh, you know. Maybe a manager would be a nicer, you know, a person that have maybe a more like uh, knowledge of different areas, so that it, from a let's say vision perspective, uh, it's easier to control and understand what's happening within the the content engine. But if you need um, a strategy behind it, you really need those people that are specialized, because no one's gonna do better job of designing something than a graphic designer and no one's going to do better job of SEO as an SEO specialist and like this with any other example in marketing. And that's, that's something that you can see, like, um, you know, companies have either the marketing engines inside of the company, or um, uh, as a provider in a in a marketing agency, but it's never Mm. one person, it's always a, a big team.
0: Yep. Couldn't agree more. There's actually been a few, I think there's quite a lot of stuff that needs to come together in order for a, a content marketing strategy to work. You know, we've talked about avatars. We've talked about brand and style guidelines. Uh, we've talked about making content, having the team uh, being able to report on the results and, um, all of those pieces are super important. Is there anything else that you you need? I mean, we've done so many things, but what else do you think is like the most important things that you have to make sure you've got right in order for your your content strategy to work?
1: So for me, it's understanding what's working and and what is not. And that means um, both the data, understanding your data and also having a creative team that can support you and make that happen. If you have those two things clear, and then I think you're ready to go and start uh, knocking on, on people's doors or appearing into their uh, Instagram feed or whatever it is. But if you don't have that clear, definitely it's not yet your time because I think you're going to spend money uh, you know, with a vision, with those strategies. So it's going to be money not well spent. And you may be thinking, oh, I'm frustrated because marketing is not working for me. Well, marketing has been working for years and years for many companies. It's just, right, how you do it. And for me, the most important things are definitely creativity and and second, um, uh, that that uh, data in place. Um, yeah. Something that we haven't chat much about, but for example, now we are also implementing ai in our in our team in some areas Mm. like in the podcast uh in copywriting but at the end of the day you always need a person to double check everything and make sure that things are make sense right
0: yeah yep absolutely uh utilizing technology is is so critical like there's lots of businesses out there that just do it the hard manual way. Uh, and as these new solutions and new technologies come into play, it's important to test them out in, and integrate the ones that work and kick out the ones that don't. Um, we talked at the start of this conversation about, or uh, and also in the middle of it, uh, about the difference between demand creation and demand capture. I think uh, the other thing that, that, We've done really well as a team. Is um, trans the transition of the website? You know, you can have an amazing if you have an amazing demand creation strategy. You're producing amazing content. Uh, Maybe it's a a vlog, maybe it's a podcast, whatever it is, you're producing this amazing content, super engaging. Everybody loves it, Um, but then they can't figure out how to get in contact with you, then <laughs> demand creation is relatively pointless if you have no way of capturing that demand. Um, talk to me a little bit about the, the approach we've had to, to uh, building the, rebuilding the website and rebuilding how we capture demand across our various channels.
1: Yes. So when I first got into the website of Trouser Process, I thought it was not very trustful. <laughs> and that made me thinking because then you know you see the team and everything uh you know and everything is really really well structured and it's an amazing team and you know the the people are super professional and I thought that's sad because I think we can do things better right and to be honest we kept the the naming we kept the colors we kept the essence of Trust the process but we changed it in a way that is more let's say um, modern and it 's more for this century let's say um, you know i we focused a lot on um, creating lead magnets and call to actions and making sure that anyone that comes to our website can you know either book a demo with us or contact to a salesperson or get some content that is interesting for them. Um, we have many call to actions that are not only contact us right there's many call to actions on the website as well or even content for free that it helps the customers to understand better what we do and free tools to understand you know maybe how they can improve their own businesses through technology and outsourcing and even this podcast it's like it's a tool to for people for business owners that are just maybe a little bit overwhelmed with all these, you know, technology things and like they're still doing things manually or like maybe they think that they cannot afford um a team or like or that they don't delegate, right? Like all these things that can happen to a business owner. We we are trying to understand them and offer them those things for free. And obviously, um other things that are more like, you know, um working with us then they can talk with the sales team. But I think that um that was a big changer change maker because we already saw mm. when we changed the the lead magnets and the call to actions and all the, the ways that people could co- connect with us. And also obviously the look and feel of the website that was way more transparent, you know, even with videos of the team members that we have um, it made things more smooth. And I think that um, people could understand what was actually behind Trust the process and, before maybe that wasn't the case. And I think now if you go to our website, like, it's pretty clear what we do, right? Mm. Uh, we help businesses to through technology and outsourcing uh, to make, you know, to grow and make their businesses more efficient and to actually, some of them don't have to be 24-7 working for their business, but also enjoying their lives, right?
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, I would say, like... Um, just about every business has some level of uh, website shame. Uh, it's funny how often you talk to businesses, uh, whether it be you know their leaders or their owners, and uh, you you say, "Oh, I jumped on your website," and they say, "Oh, oh yeah, it's it's a work in progress. I'm sorry, I'm sorry." <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, I think that the funny thing about websites is that they are always a work in progress. It's not a static completed project, you know, even what was it? Maybe two or three working days ago, you and I were talking about the conversion rates of the different um, wording on our CTAs Mm
1: -hmm. and
0: shifting um, essentially shifting most of them to be uh, a different wording because we had found that um, that, the more product-specific, book a demo type um, CTAs were actually much more effective than the like speak to an expert, talk to a salesperson type ones. Um, That's correct. You know, yeah. And, and so I think I think it's important for everyone to be like y- your website's not a project you complete and then it sits there. Your website is something that you should be constantly working on, particularly in terms of how it converts. Mm-hmm. Um, and how effective it is at converting people and moving them, them along their buying journey.
1: 100%. And for me, that website point that you made is really, really accurate. It's just like you have to think that a website at the end of the day is your presentation uh, to the world, right? In the digital, let's say, environment. But um, in, the te- in technology, everything evolves super fast. Like you don't have the first iPod that was, you know, on the market, I don't know, 10 years ago. You have the latest one because there are so many things that change that, like, you also have to change with them. And the fact that a website, you know, people... That the old google let 's say maybe twenty years ago you could use a website and have some traffic for free. Now you really need to have people working behind on that back end of your website to actually have traffic not only through ads but also you know through SEO meta descriptions, technical stuff, reducing the the image um, size all of that stuff make your website be more visible or not um so it's it's really important to understand that it's okay if it's a work in progress but it has to be a work in progress that it's progressing to to a pot in a positive way let's say um but yeah Yeah. there's been a lot many learnings also on this project
0: for sure i think um i think it's important to to acknowledge for any listeners of this podcast that um you know, we, we are quite lucky here at Trust the Process because we are an offshoring business um, and we are, a I suppose, a digital transformation business as well, um, a consultancy. A lot of these things that we're talking about, these are things that we have access to. Um, you know, these are actually like the products that we sell. And so it is sometimes a little bit easier for us to maybe do some of these things than than the average person. Um, but I would say like probably the key, the big core pieces, if you're just talking in terms of what do you need to get started, maybe you and I just go back and forth here a little bit. Let's see if we leave any out. (laughs) Right. So like, I think website is really critical. You have to have a great way to capture demand. You have to have a, a, a good website that has uh, a great um, user experience that has really good CTAs, that has really good content. That's probably number one. What else do you think is important? We'll just go one for one. You go one, yeah. then I'll go one, all right?
1: I'll say like obviously obviously <laughs> what we've been talking that it's content. Um, content yep. is king, they say. Um, you really have to have um, interesting and interesting content that people clicks so that they can get into your website and then they can definitely decide if yep. if you if they want to book or not with you but if they don't do that first step of clicking to your website then that person is not going to engage with you
0: nice i would say the next one is a crm if you don't have somewhere for all of these leads and this pipeline to flow into that you can manage well that you can then effectively re-engage, nurture, hand over to your sales team, convert within a platform and measure your success, then you're going to find it very difficult to execute as well.
1: Great. I would say as well, um, and a specialized team. Um, Nice. If you don't have the people that are necessary to make this happen, you can be the smartest person of the world, but if you don't know how to do it, it's not going to work so having a team that supports you right and um can help you with this path of you know marketing strategy sales how to have all of this in place um even like i don't know uh booking meetings if you are super busy right anything um it's important to have the team that you need for your business in place to to make sure that everything is smooth and it works perfect
0: Yep, definitely agree. I would say, if anything, I would probably choose that over just about everything else. Um, <laughs> makes the biggest difference for for me, for sure. Um, I've got one more. Have you got one more?
1: Mm, not sure. Let me think. <laughs> <laughs> you go.
0: My one more is um, is you. Also, you have to have something to say, right? Um, if you're going to do good content marketing, marketing, you do have to have something to say. And I know this is an area that scares a lot of people when, when hmm. thinking about going down a content marketing path um, because you do have to have enough things to say about enough different things that you can consistently create content because just rehashing and reusing the same content over and over again um, is not going to build much of an audience. But what what I would say to most people that are out there thinking, can I even do this? Is that if you have some expertise in your industry, if you know your customers well, if you know your solutions well, if you understand technically what's happening within the market and how to solve problems, you probably have a lot more to say than you think you do, yeah. right? Um, which is why sometimes um, sometimes the best way to to do content is through interviews. And so this was a thing that I was worried about in starting this process, right? And here we are today doing an interview, right? <laughs> and mostly on this show, I interview people, Um but sometimes you just need that other person on the other side of the content in order to have a discussion and in order to be able to extract it out. So that would be the last thing for me is, um, you know, you've got to have something to say, but you probably have more to say than you think you do. And if you're, you're struggling with it, you might just need somebody that, that can help you draw it out.
1: Definitely. I love that one. And like, as I said before, like sometimes we tend to focus a lot on, the product and the service, but most of the time is about the feeling that our product or service is making our potential customers feel. Um, and we cannot forget that because sometimes we focus too much on, you know, the key points of what what we'll sell, but actually what we have to think is about like what problem am I solving?
0: A hundred percent. Yep. Always focused on on that um, that higher thought of like, how am I actually helping someone? How can I help people? What problem do we solve? Who do we serve? Um, all that stuff, I think that's, that's super critical. Um, this has been an awesome conversation. I have one more co- question for you, which I ask everybody that comes on this show, which you know I ask everybody that comes on this show because you listen to every one of these shows. Uh, <laughs> so I want to hear from you either the the book or the um or the podcast or the mentor who's had the biggest impact on on your learning when it comes to developing your skills in your career
1: well that's that's a wonderful question i love that question um i've been thinking about it because it's not only one person right um in my case i come from a family of marketing and entrepreneurship so i guess that that made myself the adult that I am today, right? and impacted a lot on on my childhood and you know, I loved watching ads when I was a kid and while well, other kids were watching cartoons and stuff like that. so probably you know my family' circle, let's say. but lately um I've been watching a lot um well, I've been listening a lot to Steven Barlett, that is one of the shark Tanks mm, shark yeah. Yeah, he's 30 years old, so he's a young guy. I can't, you know, relate myself to him, although I don't have as much money. <laughs> no, <laughs> uh, jokes apart. Um, so I, I really I really like Stephen Barlet because, you know, it it really shows, like, also the struggles of very important business people, right, or even, like, actors, actresses, like, at um journalists like a lot of variety of people that are successful in their businesses or in their careers but also showing the struggles so that helps a lot of you know coping with that maybe imposter syndrome or like that fact of like my god it's so hard sometimes you have all these feelings of like how hard it is to you know um become an entrepreneur or just just sometimes just maybe get that better job that you're looking for or whatever it is i think that it's really interesting to listen to to people that are very encouraging and shows you that actually the people that are now Mm. successful they were not successful one day and they were struggling as well so there's always that that switch uh in their careers and it's not only about you know working hard trying your best and doing what what is a passion for you um, and I would definitely recommend him. And I also love the Shark Tank. I, I used to to watch them, the episodes a lot, and see what entrepreneurs do. How how people is so creative with so so many random things that uh, it surprised me a lot and gives me, I guess, some uh, hope for for the new generations.
0: Yeah. yep. <laughs> yep. I love that answer and uh, I love that you chose Stephen Bartlett too. One of my favorite podcast episodes uh, ever is an episode of Diary of a CEO where he interviewed Marcus Buckingham. Mm -hmm. Marcus Buckingham wrote a book called First Break All the Rules that was a really influential book for me when I first, first, first became a manager. Um, super interesting book. And that episode, if you if you go and have a look for it on Spotify or wherever you're, well, to all of the audience, wherever you're listening to this podcast, go and have a look for Diary of a CEO and the episode with Marcus Buckingham. It's, um, it is um excellent. Uh, okay, and uh, obviously, everybody can find you at Trust the Process, but where else can they find you if they wanted to come and talk to you, Anna?
1: Yeah, they can find me on LinkedIn. I'm always there, so just... Type in yeah. Ana Espina, uh, my surname. I'm Spanish, obviously. You can find. I mean, you can clearly know this because of my accent. Uh, but yeah, they can find me there. I just talk about, you know, mental health in the workspace, remote work, something that we obviously do here at Trust the Process, and it's important, you know, to also, uh, you know, create um, not only like work, but like some relationships with the with the team members and do some things out of the you know, day-to-day on like just work, work, work. Um, And yeah, I love to talk about entrepreneurship, marketing, all that stuff. So they can follow me on LinkedIn and, and have a chat.
0: Awesome. All right. Thank you so much for joining us.
1: Thank you. It's a pleasure.